The Swamp Without a Still is just a tent, a martini without olives doesn't quite make it, and Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones, listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, Mash Minute. Welcome back to another episode of Mash Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film and sometimes talk about that TV show one minute at a time. I'm your host, Megan Coleman. I'm Tierney. I wish we were talking about the TV show, <laughs> but that's all right. We'll get into it still. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Brad Mendenhall from the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. And you know what? I, I was giving so much love to Tierney yesterday because I, I love Tierney. Tierney's been on Cosmic Geppetto several times. She's fabulous. But oh, I, yeah. I got to give you love too. You're fantastic. Oh, uh, thank and you. It, it, it's, it, and, and, and I want to develop our relationship. I, I, I'm along for the ride, as I told many people. They're like, oh, why are you doing a MASH podcast? I'm like, because my friend said it was a good idea. And I went, okay. <laughs> That's the best way to get into podcasting. That's pretty much the only way. It's it's trial by fire. There was wine involved. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Also, thought we were doing the TV show and then was like, oh, oh, that movie. Oh, okay. That's pretty much, I think, how most podcasts begin. Uh, for Cosmic Geppetto, it really was one of my oldest and dearest friends is Jarf Harden, who was uh, your guest last week. And I know that uh, he, he also has a really good relationship with Tyranny. Jarf and I went to college together. So uh, we have just scads of embarrassing stories about each other. I, I might even tell Tyranny and Megan one or two when we're off mic. You know, it was just a reason, like, doing the podcast was a way to have a great excuse for he and I and a couple other friends to talk more regularly than we do. Like, giving us the reason to. So, you know, podcasting, I think very few of us do it to get rich. Uh, I don't think that's how it works. I don't, I'm, I mean, I think I saw Tierney lighting up a Cuban cigar with a $100 bill earlier from her, um... <laughs> From my Patreon? Yeah, from a Patreon. <laughs> but- oh, God, that was the best. All right, so hopefully by the time this airs, this will be different. But can I tell you how depressing it was to write the Patreon post announcing my first movie night, knowing that I currently have zero Patreon? <laughs> like, oh. this is for me. <laughs> is that like when I have a program at the library and, like, one person comes and you still have to do the program and you're yes. like, this is so weird. I did Baltimore Community Theater. We did have nights where the cast outnumbered the audience. (laughs) There was actually a pretty famous story uh, in Baltimore where there was one show and it was like a little bit of bad weather. Not like bad weather, but just enough of a snow flurry that it freaked everybody out. And it was like a musical. So there's like 10 or 20 people in the musical and one person showed up and they just came out and said, yeah, we're we're not doing this. You want to go out and get a drink? And the audience (laughs) went with the cast. To the nearby watering hole. Uh, I had an author talk where one person came and I, we offered to be like, you know, we don't have to do this, but if you're interested, she's like, no, no, I came. So we're like, okay. And we were filming for the local cable access channel. Oh, so, we no. had to fr- so we had to frame it. So like, it was like super close up on the author. And then when we did the Q&A, we had to like, I and the camera guy had to like intersperse questions. So it wasn't just the one audience member. <laughs> and she was a good sport about it. She's like, this happens all the time. But like... 
Oh, it was, it was so sad and awkward. And now every time I see that patron, I'm like, hey! <laughs> like, we're instant BFFs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we're like family now. <laughs> we're like weird family now. Like, hey, what's up? Oh, God. So speaking of weird families... <laughs> Hawkeye and... Wow, that was quite a transition. Pages, I'm a... Yeah, Hawkeye and Payless are about to have a conversation, and then we're going to see some very typical family behavior, at least in my Irish clans. This is minute 56 of the movie MASH. All right, this tells you everything you need to know. The minute begins with Painless announcing that he's a fairy, and it ends with Trapper John telling a swamp full of guys about man o' war. Just really fairy... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna save my notes on Man of War for tomorrow because good lord, we don't even have time to get into that today. So my first response was eye roll. But I did some digging. And then the next minute I did some digging about Hitler, so if I am ever arrested or on an FBI watch list, like this podcast is why. Alright, so fair Oh hold on. You've done a podcast with Jarf. You're on a watch list. Oh, okay, cool. Alright, good to know. Alright. It is considered inherently derogatory and always has been, but it's obviously not the worst. And it was completely common in the 1950s. Like this is not, this is not even like a flinch eye roll. That's just what you said. It came from, and I read a fascinating article on strangehistory.net about like the etymology of it. But their conclusion was that it came from the 1800s when references to fairies were to women Thus, fairies were feminine. Thus, gay men were fairies. Again, inherently derogatory. Not a good thing. Obviously. I'm just saying, like, he's not going out of his way to be insulting. Like, he doesn't think he's saying a slur. He thinks he's just saying what you, what that's called. And it's it's a thing of us listening and watching this movie now. Mm -hmm. And it really hits your ear wrong. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, I mean, just aside from the fact of how it being derogatory, it just doesn't sound right. Like, if you were to write a story, you know, Tierney, you're a writer. If you were to write a story where you had somebody making a nasty comment towards somebody who was gay, that's not the term you would put in their mouth. Like, that's not what you would have a homophobe say anymore. Mm -hmm. It just sounds, aside from the fact that it's a crappy thing to say, it's also dated and... Mm -hmm. Just hits the ear weird. I use a lot of outdated, not slur terms that people just looked at me like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Like, parking. Parking as a verb. If I said I went parking with someone, you know exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And yet, apparently, that's a weird thing to say in 2005. So, yeah, um, I'm just trying not to talk about <laughs> what we're talking about. I'm really sorry. I have an answer for Jarf of what book Painless oh, Paul is reading. Because he says he is a victim of latent homosexuality, which is a Freud term. Oh, yeah. Which was one of the options that he gave us. That's true, it was. And, and I said, oh, I don't know. I don't really think of Freud as being... Oh, nope, nope. The victim of latent homosexuality is like right out of his the Freud handbook playbook. Of- it's basically when you're homosexual, but even you don't realize it. And then it gets into the whole like people who are homophobic are actually gay theory. Um, the example that stuck out to me is the most obvious understandable modern was in American Beauty... Ricky's dad, the what's his name, Colonel Fitz. Oh yeah, is, is considered to be a latent homosexual. Where it's like he's so oh, repressed yeah. 
that he can't even admit that it's happening, but it's there. And that that repression can be conscious or unconscious. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, yeah, it, that's a, it's something that there have been some studies to... Mm-hmm. Dan Savage points one out in particular, which is apparently the craziest study I've ever heard, where they <laughs> got a bunch of test subjects and had them watch gay porn, yes. and the people who were <laughs> most homophobic, it's like, you know what, I feel like if you're that homophobic, the, the most homophobic, I feel like they're walking out of that study. Mm-hmm. Just, just, okay. Far be it for me to argue with Dan Savage. Well, they were measuring the heart rate of people and what they said they thought about it versus what their body reaction. Like, I I think it's like the pupils and the heart rate are what they look at. One apparently was measuring penile response. And I was like, I can't read this. Like, this, <laughs> this is not something I should be looking at on my lunch break. But uh, I, I was I listened to the um, podcast Court Appointed and they were talking recently about marriage law and the impotence courts of France back in the day. So I'm just saying that's the thing that's floating out in the world. So Do you just sometimes think that researchers are just really, really <laughs> pervy people who, you know, are able to write well enough to get funding for their stuff? Well, I think Ghostbusters proved that. Ah. Or they're just really weird. Like, Kinsey actually wasn't really a... He, wasn't he, like, into... I don't forget what the word is, but he was, like, an expert on bugs. And he... Really? Like, yeah. And he's, like, defined how much of what we perceive of as sexuality in, like, the 20th century. Yeah, what yeah. is that word called? Yeah, the Kinsey scale. Yes, but, I mean, the the, the bug expert. I forget what that's called. Are but those... Entomologists? But it was just because of... Yeah, I think so, because it's, yeah, entomologist, yeah, because it's just in the 50s, like, if you, as long as you were deemed a quote-unquote expert, and you acted like you knew what the heck you were doing, and you had all this research to back it up, or, you know, at least supposedly back you up, like, people were like, yeah, that's good, yeah, that's authoritative, I'll I'll, I'll believe that, yeah, thanks, bug guy, for telling me that, (laughs) you know, masturbation is apparently more common than we thought it was, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, sweet. Was he wrong? (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say he was totally probably wrong in that sense, but it always kind of, always kind of creeped me out a little bit. Like, I mean, he did a lot, you know, not that I I don't dislike Kenzie, but there's part of me that's like, but you studied bugs, so. You shouldn't be this guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so many other people that could have been you, but. It was you. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to make it a gender studies podcast. No, no, Boom. I love it. Brad, welcome to why I asked Megan to do this with me. <laughs> it wasn't just the wine. Although the wine helps. <laughs> the wine <laughs> always helps. The wine always helps. Yeah, no, I knew. I, there was no way I was going to tackle this movie without someone who actually has studied this stuff. <laughs> As opposed to me, who's just like, yeah, I'm aware that that's a thing. <laughs> I will say, I'm going to get real mad at him in future minutes, but I love Hawkeye in this minute. Not just for his good acting, but like as a person, I love the character, not just Donald Sutherland playing Hawkeye, because his reaction is just, uh, have you done anything? (laughs) And I have to say, as someone who a couple friends have come out to me, that kind of your first thought is like, uh, I mean, that's fine, but, like, what am I supposed to say here? Okay, um... And in his case, Painless is obviously upset and unhappy, unlike in my case, it was like, I, I'm moving in with someone, so I need to tell you this. Painless is clearly upset. He's not responding to any of Hawkeye's jovial, like, ah, cheer up, everything's fine. He's like, oh no, I've decided I'm gay. And I think Hawkeye's having the same kind of reaction that we had last minute of, like, what? How did you get here from there as as you said brad he skipped about a dozen steps 
And I love that Hawkeye's response isn't revulsion or, or oh my gosh, like, it, it, he's just like, um, have you thought this through? <laughs> he could have very easily done a, like, feats don't fail me now thing and run out of the, <laughs> the room. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and you're right. He and he's not. And he's not even saying you're wrong or no. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. He doesn't dismiss it out of hand. He's more concerned. Like, um, what did I miss here? Well, like Tierney, I, I have had friends come out to me, and it's funny, but it was never somebody where I didn't believe it ahead of time. It was always a uh, I got to pretend to be surprised now, right? Yeah, I've done that too. Like, I mean, oh, I, I, yeah. I have a. Shocking. Cousin, he, he's one of my uh, kids' favorite uncles, and he came out, and my mom's like, oh, thank God. It's like, I'm pretty sure I knew he was gay when I saw a sonogram, so I'm glad we don't have to keep this uh, j- joke up any longer. So, Well, I'm very much of, and, and you'll understand this too, of whatever someone says, that's what I would say. So my, my friend who came out to me junior year of college, we met freshman year of high school. My parents knew she was gay. Most people suspected she was gay, but she said she was straight. So I said, nope, she says she's straight. I'm not in any position to say any different. And then she came out years later. And my mom was like, see, I told you. I'm like, I, I knew. <laughs> I just, I, it's not my place to say, oh, well, she's out. Again, my dad, everyone has to look themselves in the mirror and decide for themselves. Like, I don't care how many parents say, but yeah, that is a very parent thing to say. <laughs> I just love that, yeah, his reaction isn't, oh, you can't be. It's, well, what evidence do you have for this? He's attacking it like a doctor. He's looking yes. for the symptoms. He's he's trying to di- get the <laughs> diagnosis. Just Donald Sutherland, master class of uncomfortable acting. <laughs> I mean, he is fantastic. Sutherland's always been great. Sort of a weird, sort of an interesting look. Not quite leading man, but close enough that he's gotten those roles uh, in this era. I definitely like older Donald Sutherland. I like Space Cowboys Donald Sutherland and Backdraft Donald Sutherland. He's he's become such a wonderful supporting actor as he got older. I think he's having more fun now that he's older, but I love him. I have to see. So an earlier guest, Tom Taylor, mentioned the movie Ordinary People. Oh, yeah. And I was watching CNN's movies, the documentary, and it was the movies of the 80s, and it kicks off, and they are talking about ordinary people. And I was like, oh, right, I never looked that up. And he mentioned that movie had made him cry. I cried reading the quotes section on IMDb. Oh, it is such a sad I didn't even have movie. to see the movie. I was bawling my eyes out just reading some of the lines, knowing that Donald Sutherland was going to say, or had said them out loud. So, well, that um, was an Oscar yeah. one. Uh, Redford directed mm-hmm. that, didn't he? Yeah, it was his first, yeah. it was his directorial debut. Apparently it's real good, and apparently I need to see it. But you should I, see I, I got, like, emotionally prepared for that. <laughs> not going to be okay. Uh, but, yeah, this is the minute where he has, uh, no, I, I could see where that would be a problem talking about. And, again, he kind of has the sympathy. The sympathy of, but also the, I'm not sure I'm buying this. Are we supposed to have sympathy for Painless's predicament of having to tell his three fiancés? <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> that noise says it all. Again, it's it's a really good perform. Painless gives a good performance, too. Oh, and God, it's understated. Yes. So it's, it's, it's not comical. He's also not 
and I guess Altman should be credited with having a little bit of strength because Altman could have really gone nutsy, nuts with this. And it's like, ah, well, like, we'll just have him basically dress like Klinger from the TV show is like, I'm gay and come in with the dress on or something like that and try to do a caricature of what is viewed as a, the gay stereotype. They could have done that. No, it's understated. He's conveying a bit of pain. And it also makes it easier for the audience not to be too angry about the three fiancés because all they are is pictures. Uh, yeah, I think you're right that the most important thing is this scene isn't played for laughs, even though there are lines in it that the knowing chuckle comes out. All right. Megan. Yes. He's got these three women back home. Oh, man. Three women. Altman. Oh, God. Do you think this inspired him? Oh, to do that movie? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe? Sure. We're not watching that movie. But that was one of the ones that I was like, <laughs> I I read about this movie, reading about Robert Altman for this podcast, and decided I never needed to deal with that. <laughs> but uh, when I was taking my notes, and I'm like, are we supposed to, you know, he's engaged to three women. And then I was like, three Wait. Women. Why does that sound? Oh, my God. <laughs> I've made fun of this scene a lot in my life where I'm just like, Oh my God, you're not, when he's like, it's only a matter of time. Boy, I just can't face it. And I'm like, you're not gay. Yeah. It's not going to just happen against your will. What is wrong with you? But I think he's worked himself up into his state because obviously on a different topic, I know I said that we're like, it's just a matter of time as if there's nothing I can do. And uh, unfortunately I was a, well, actually, no, fortunately, I wasn't talking to Hawkeye. I was talking to a licensed therapist who was like, just don't do that then. <laughs> but Hawkeye's going to say, like, the problem is that Painless genuinely in his stupid little heart believes this. Yeah. It, yeah. It, he's got himself all turned around. And there's actually, there's an interesting story here. And Painless is such a small part of this movie. And this is really a small part of the movie. There is a story to tell with, what men think of what sexuality is supposed to be and what masculinity is supposed to be. And you sort of talked, and Tyrion, you talked about it in the last episode, you know, your father who liked musicals and would go to discos and stuff like that, but knowing that that, that isn't not, That's that is not, not the final ingredient. That's not homosexual or not. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that is not the final ingredient. <laughs> but I've also have known of people where they had a real challenge with that because, especially if you're coming from a really, an environment with a lot of toxic masculinity and guys feeling bad because they, they like to dance or they don't like sports or wh- whatever those things are and being mocked by their family or, and, you know, classmates or stuff like that. Obviously, that's not enough to quote unquote turn you gay, but it can give you a, it can give you a messed up sexuality where you don't feel man enough to be, like, you don't feel man enough to approach the woman that you're interested in or, like, you can't be man enough to, to perform sexually or whatever those issues are. You know, there's an interesting story there, but obviously that's not what they're trying to do. This is, again, this is sort of them setting up a joke. An elaborate joke, but yes. <laughs> a very, very elaborate joke with, oh, just so many things wrong. For those at home who, like me, had no idea what was going on. The Don Juanism thing is a cover-up for actually being gay, a victim of latent homosexuality. So it's frustrating because you're right. Someone like Painless probably would have a crisis of faith in your manhood, quote-unquote failing for the first time that he remembers. (laughs) I'm sticking with that. It's so frustrating because on the one hand, Painless thinks he's facing the inevitability. So 
Painless had this experience that really shook him up, and he read something that just seemed to completely reinforce everything he was worried about and gave him something new to worry about that it meant. And so he has drawn his conclusion from that and said, well, it's inevitable, this must be it. And the frustrating thing is, I would say to some extent, I'm sure everyone has done those three things at some point in their life. The problem is that he has gone zero to 60. on this one and it's like you said it's because we need to get the the aftermath we need to get the reaction to this these are all real things that people face but we're not going to get character development because john chuck isn't in this movie as much (laughs) no and on, on one hand that's part of the charm of mash where it shouldn't just be hawkeye and trapper john very specifically telling their stories Hawkeye and Trapper John are supporting players in a lot of this movie. And that gives Robert Altman a chance to tell a lot of different stories. Because it's supposed to be sort of like just showing this world for a period of time. And you go back to the most likable and most engaging characters with the best actors in the movie. Or or the ones that you can relate to the best. So you get to tell the different neat stories. However, if those little side stories have characters that are sort of barely there or so lightly written, it can be a little, ah, okay. And especially doing what you guys are doing when you're doing it minute by minute. If you would just watch this as five minutes of the movie, maybe it doesn't ring a little hollow like it does when you're picking it apart the way we are. Yeah, I mean, because it's so fast. Hawkeye just got in and sat down, except we're now in week two of this. (laughs) Yeah. Doing a minute by minute is a great way to learn how to really hate the movies you love. <laughs> it's true. Though I admittedly, I like the TV show better still. It didn't have far to fall. I found something I love doing <laughs> it's it minute by minute though. And in this minute, I never paid any attention to what they were doing. We cut to the swamp and there's a bunch of people in there and Trapper just talking and that's all I ever noticed. And John and Duke are roasting marshmallows. Marsh- <laughs> And they're roasting them on forks taped to hangers. (laughs) As one does, right? I mean, we would use sticks, but it still works. I cannot fault this because I think the worst I ever burned myself was roasting marshmallows by lighter. By Bic lighter. (laughs) Wow. Really? Dedication to a s'more. I do not recommend it. It hurt real bad on my thumb. (laughs) So when I was a camp counselor, I taught outdoor (laughs) living. And the thing was, on Thursday night, we would do a camp out. And we would actually set, you know, during the day, during our class on Thursday during the day, we would set up the tents. So you got the experience of that. And then you would sleep out Thursday after the event. And we would roast marshmallows and all that stuff. And then the on the Friday class, we'd be taking the tent down and packing it away. You know, we, we would hike slightly off camp, but still right there. So you could go and use the bathroom. And it was really fun, except one night it was too damp. And it was after Thursday night would have been the talent show. And it ran late. So, like, it's super late. Everything's damp. And it was like, we're just going to skip. We're just going to skip. Do you want a Hershey bar? Here, take a Hershey bar. Go to bed. Get in your tent. I don't care. <laughs> And the thing was, obviously, you're never, ever, 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 ever alone with a camper. So you would have another counselor with you. So there were two counselors in the counselor tent. But we had all the s'more supplies. And and we were still awake. And I had a lighter. So... 
bad we idea, Jean. We marshmallows <laughs> over a big lighter. <laughs> and, oh, God, it's one of those where you don't realize how badly you're burned until, like, you stop, and then you're like, oh, God, it's throbbing. <laughs> yeah, marshmallows is not something you want to yeah. get burned on. Like, ugh. Um, Quick question. Last time you guys had s'mores. Mine was last year because I'm actually, I was just saying I want s'mores real bad. And then my husband brought home s'more ice cream. It's not the same. I don't like graham crackers at all. Mm. So if I'm going to do s'more, it's usually I just steal the chocolate and that's it. Okay. Oh my gosh. I do know the last s'more I had. I'm sorry. (laughs) Whatever the first day my kid went to daycare, I was still on maternity leave. And so I took myself out to lunch because I was feeling real bad about myself that my kid was in daycare and I was going to have to go back to work. And I went to a restaurant that had s'mores as a dessert option. No. Yeah. That yeah. is uh, really good. It was amazing. <laughs> and I, they'll uh, do like flavor. They'll add like, if you want like strawberries on the side, you can have those too with your chocolate. But Oh, they're trying to get all fancy pantsy about their butter if you want. It was amazing. That is really neat. We have a fire pit in our back in our backyard, and the kids are like, "Well, we're gonna have to start having s'mores now, right?" So I just made them. Ah, it's been like a maybe a month since the last time I made them. And I tell you what, it's tough giving s'mores to a nine-year-old and twin seven-year-olds because by the time they're done, you can actually just stick them to the wall. They're gonna have so oh, much yeah. smuts and marshmallow all over them. It's like you know, we're not even gonna put you inside. Just go in the yard. I'm gonna hose oh. you down because it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a yard that was big enough that we could like legally have a fire pit. And I always wanted one because I was a camp junkie. And my dad eventually got a grill for the backyard that had the propane burner on the side so you could like Uh boil your corn on the cob while you were grilling sort of setup. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I have one, yes. Yeah, yeah. So my sister and I would make s'mores over that. And that was always very exciting and great. So we could do that in the summer. And I don't know whose idea it was, but it became a tradition in my house. She went to the same camp I did. That at the first snow, my sister and I would go out in the snow and make s'mores and sing camp songs around the Oh, ground. I love that. <laughs> That's great. And my dad is just like, you two are the only nuts that I have to go buy marshmallows for in January. <laughs> <laughs> That is delightful. That's a great story. It's a great tradition. And so, yeah, when I saw these, and I couldn't figure out what it was at first. It did take watching this minute by minute to realize it's a fork taped to a hanger to make it long enough. Because unlike me, Duke and Ugly John care about safety. (laughs) (laughs) So we end on a happy note that I'm going to (laughs) immediately destroy next minute. Oh. But then it'll be happy again. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But then I'll be happy, but then I'll be bad. That that seems so, like MASH, so yeah. He's really <laughs> just toying with our emotions. It really is. Well, the problem is a lot of really great acting and production quality is coming up, but also it's in the service of an extremely problematic storyline. Oh, MASH. Yes. This is the story of MASH. This is a tough <laughs> story movie. of MASH. It's a tough movie sometimes. I did not think through <laughs> this. <laughs> I was just like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll, 
We'll make sure we have a woman on to talk about the shower scene because that, you know, is really bad. <laughs> It'll be fine. We're going to try and like get some diverse. Oh, no. I did not think that like a horse's sexuality was going to be brought into play. <laughs> yeah, you don't really usually see that coming. <laughs> no. <laughs> so for those uh, who are brave uh, enough, this is like a challenge, though, to our listeners. Like... Instead of turning off listeners, I'm hoping they'll, like, take it as a challenge. Like, oh, no, bitch, I'll be back for a minute 57. <laughs> right? Yeah? We dare you. <laughs> yes, and then in the meantime, if you ever need a palate cleanser between mash episodes, you can go, is it, it's CosmicGeppetto.com? Is that your main? Uh, you What's know, the best way to find you guys. Best way to find us, just Google search. Uh, <laughs> go on to iTunes, search Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. Uh, we also have the Cosmic Geppetto listeners page on Facebook. Okay. We try to be interactive with our fans. Yeah, we had a webpage. We got rid of it a while back because. Oh, okay, okay. That's web, what I was web pages are about. tough, and nobody you like nobody goes to them. Uh, it's always better to. We found it. We, and we also have a Twitter feed, uh, Cosmic G Pod. And like I say, the Cosmic Geppetto listeners page on Facebook. You know, give us a listen. We have great guests like Tierney, uh, Ajar from last week. He's one of the co founders of the show. He's on all the time. Uh, we also have wonderful writers and musicians and documentarians and all these great people. We just had a. You know, we have a Geraldine DeRuder is going to be on in an upcoming episode. She's an amazing travel writer. You know, and we just look for cool people with uh, sort of. Fun stories to tell from all over, uh, comics, movies, whatever. We always love to have more listeners, and uh, we're going to have Tierney back soon. And uh, I think we're going to find a place for Megan to join the fun, too, because uh, Megan's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. So, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> also, like I say, I'm producing Escape from New York Minute. That is a great podcast that you can uh, ch- check out on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. And it's in the world of Minute by Minute. They only do it three days a week because uh, we are not as badass as uh, as Tierney and Megan. Well, and I, I definitely wanted to, since Cosmic Geppetto does cover everything, I was like, find something that brings you joy, listen to an episode, and then tomorrow you'll be ready to dive back in. <laughs> Please do. There's some great episodes with Tierney. Tierney, you were on when, uh, gosh, what was, didn't you come on when we were talking about Wonder Woman? Uh, so, yeah, uh, I have a webpage of my own if people want to visit it. You know, if you're a Luddite like me, go to webpages. Now, if you go to onesteelsister.com under my guest appearances, I list the episodes that I've been on for things. And so I was like, yeah, I was on Wonder Woman and La- and I was going back to grab the links and I was like, oh, I totally forgot I was on this episode. <laughs> Which is just the best, nicest feeling where it's like, oh, I was just among friends. I totally forgot that was a separate conversation. So yeah, I talked about Last Jedi, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman... Well, what was oh, especially fun about Wonder Woman, that was actually the first time, uh, that was actually a first for Cosmic Geppetto because I was not on that episode because it really seemed... Your muffled screams from the basement were. They were on there. <laughs> <laughs> we stole Brad's podcast. Well, it's sort of a thing where it was the first mainstream superhero movie, like big budget superhero movie from, from DC or Marvel. Uh, nobody counts Catwoman. Uh, no. And it didn't seem like... 
it didn't feel right for me to be talking about it. So uh, Kathleen Mocklin from Hocus Pocus Minute, she took over. She's And she's hosted several times. And uh, we love pulling Tierney in for it because uh, sometimes the best thing I can do is shut up. <laughs> Which people listening to this episode are probably not aware that's possible. <laughs> So, yeah, Tierney's been on a couple times. So, yeah, you should go onto the guest page for One Steel Sister and find uh, a couple episodes and uh, listen to them because Tierney's always wonderful. And those were some really great episodes, some of my favorites. I really, I'm getting a lot of flattery this minute, or these minutes, and it really was. Kathleen just kicked you into the basement, and Emily and I had an absolute blast talking (laughs) talking with her about that. All right, well, we're going to shut up for now, but we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 57.